Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Profit Max Entrepreneurs Network monthly powwow. We, uh, that's our monthly gathering. And uh, I'm Peter Lam. And today we are very honored to have a couple of guest speakers with us from Tune Protect Group. Uh, as you may know, Tune Protect is a listed company and they are also insurance providers with a very interesting model. But today we're not going to talk about their business model. Today we're going to tap into their knowledge base of how as business owners, we can help reduce our risks and plan forward and how insurance can help us in our business and why we need insurance, okay? And they're not going to do a sales job because that's not allowed, but they're going to educate us and share information and bring us more up to speed on that. So I'd like to welcome um, Rohit Nambia, who is the group CEO. Hi, Rohit. And uh, Vincent Koo. And Hi. Joe, I'll just call him Joe, Joe Zimmerman. All right, excellent. So before we start, maybe I can get um, the speakers to just briefly introduce themselves. So maybe we can start with Vincent, who I know is from Malacca. <laughs> so tell us a bit about yourself, Vincent. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, as I was introducing to Peter the other day, you know, um, I have been in Malaysia for the past 50 years, so <laughs> I am very much a Malaysian. Um, okay, uh, as, uh, as you guys know, I'm actually from Malacca. Um, I am in the insurance industry for now, I think about 26 years in the industry. Uh, what is interesting is that uh, my 25 years was actually in the life insurance industry. So basically, uh, I, I work for a local life insurance industry and also some big conglomerates in the, in the world. Mm. Uh, what, what I do is actually to run the agency channel. I actually started with training and helped to set up the training academy for a local life insurance company. And from there, I went to agency recruitment, agency branch management, agency admin, and uh, uh, after that, you know, running um, the sales team. And coming to Tune, it's about uh, seven months for me now, uh, going into general insurance industry. Very interesting. Although it's all in uh, insurance, it's very, very different. So I'm just uh, enjoying myself with uh, my colleagues here, Joe and also Rohit, who gave me a lot of uh, chances and experience to explore. So I guess I will learn a lot from you guys as well uh, this afternoon. So that's a little bit about myself. Okay, great. Thanks, Vincent. Sure. I'm just going clockwise. Um, so next, uh, Rohit, the group CEO, can you just tell us a bit about your, yourself? I am Rohit. Uh, as I, I said in the beginning, I'm from India. Been in Malaysia for five and a half years. Uh, feel very Malaysian now. So, um, Enjoying yeah, our Tari. Yes. I've been with uh, Tune for a year now. Uh, before that, I was with another insurer for 17 years. I worked in uh, uh, five countries before this, uh, three of which, four of which was in Asia. Um, so yeah, excited to be here. I think uh, today it's going to be Joe and uh, Vincent show. I I'm going to okay. listen to them as much as all of you. Okay, great. Excellent. Thanks, Rohit. And then over to Joe. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Peter. Hi, everyone. So yeah, I'm Joe. I'm uh, in Malaysia almost seven years now. Uh, before, what, before that, I was in Singapore for two years, so almost nine years in Asia. Uh, coming from Germany, as I said earlier, um, being all the while in the general insurance industry, um, not having been to, to life insurance exposure so far, but you never know. So, and uh, also in the insurance industry, more than 25 years um, already, and uh, coming from uh, Allianz Germany, then to AXA Germany, and then uh, 
uh, EXA in uh, Singapore, Malaysia, and then uh, now since uh, five more than five months already in Tech as the Chief Underwriting Officer there. Okay, excellent. Thanks, Joe. All right. So um, for members, I'd like you to key in any questions you have into the chat group, which we'll handle in, in a while after the session. And, you know, if you, if you want to ask any questions of this gentleman, please go ahead, because it's not often you get to ask questions of the top management of insurance companies, okay? All right. So maybe to start the ball rolling, to start off the session today, um, maybe you guys can share a bit about, you know, I mean, in general insurance, we are very familiar with things like vehicle protection, theft, uh, fire insurance, you know, if your factory burns down, your warehouse burns down, what to do and all that. So I guess those are the common or, or popularly known kind of insurance products. But maybe you could tell us a bit more and what, what are the other what are the area, other areas which, which one should consider, you know, in terms of insurance. Yeah, maybe I start um, if you are okay, Vincent, and uh, compliment, please. So um I think I think uh, general insurance and what you just mentioned is all about in the first place um, the, the assets you have so that you that you really make sure that you protect your assets. So uh, can be can be your machinery, can be your equipment, uh, can be your buildings, and all these things. So that is one part. Of course, the other part is um, when it comes to your own health, your own uh, protection. That means uh, your own protection or the protection of your employees. So, and that is really the other part where you can have, of course, um, uh, financial losses uh, when it comes to when it comes to health issues or, or accidents, so that your employees or yourself you cannot work. So that is the other big part, I would say. Uh, one is the, the part where you, where you protect your assets and the other part is where you protect your, your uh, health and your life. So, and, and both together, I think is very important because it, it's all about protect yourself and your, your company and your employees uh, for financial losses. So, and, and that is the part um, where insurance companies can offer usually the, the whole, the whole uh, portfolio of, uh, as you mentioned earlier, could be the fire insurance as a, as a worst case uh, insurance cover. But on, on the other side, also for you or your, your employees, uh, can be a group personal accident or group health cover. Or if you have foreign workers, can be for your foreign workers because there are anyway regulatory requirements uh, for this kind of cover. So that means um, you always have to think from a more holistic point of view when it comes to insurance and also when it comes to SME and, and uh, commercial insurance. So that means uh, it's really more than only uh, the insurance for assets. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if I can just add on to, uh, to what Joe has actually mentioned, I think uh, insurance is related to a four-letter word. Yeah, <laughs> and you always have to remember this four-letter word, uh, the, the word is risk. I think insurance is all about risk management. So when mm. you see there's a risk, you can either actually absorb the risk yourself. That means, you know, you become you become your own insurer or you can actually pass on the risk with a little fee to someone else. And that's where insurance actually comes in. So as Joe has actually mentioned, you know, if there is a risk that is worth protecting, either it's an asset, it's a fixed asset in a, in a general insurance term, or it can be a human being who actually is an asset to you, or it could be an asset that, you know, probably it's, it's not visible. It's, it's neither human, it's neither asset, it's reputation. We can also actually insure someone's reputation. You can also insure liability uh, for that matter. And uh, even then, you know, if, if you are having goods, the asset could be moving around. You have goods in transit as well, mm. where you can actually cover for those losses uh, in terms of goods in transit. And very interestingly, I think lately, you know, as we grow into uh, more and more 
uh, on the internet, there were e-banking, there were online tradings and so on. So you will also have some risk there, especially in terms of cyber attacks as well. Mm. So, you know, those are some new things that comes along. And I'm very sure that as we move on, there'll be more and more new and interesting things. And those days, uh, when you're talking about insurance coverage, it could be for, for life insurance coverage, it could be for the whole of the life, which is actually a very long term. In general, insurance coverage, uh, basically you're talking about on an annual basis and it's uh, annually renewable. Today, you can also have coverage which, which is uh, as and when you need it. So it can be actually a very short-term coverage also. So mm. things have actually changed. The landscape has actually changed. So it's actually very interesting. It's a, it's a huge topic. And I think we can talk about it for many, many days. But just <laughs> on a general basis, uh, that's what we are talking about in terms of uh, insurance and risk. Just remember the four-letter word. Okay, very interesting. Yeah, I never thought about that. Now, how you could, how you could uh, insure your reputation can you, can you tell us a little bit more about that? It sounds very interesting. Insuring your reputation, what does that mean? Is it I your mean, trademark? Is it your goodwill or what? Yeah, it could be that. Or I think most likely it's actually related to, a, to some professional uh, uh, positions or, or your work. For example, you can actually have uh, you know, reputation risks uh, when you are actually a doctor or you are a lawyer you know, in terms of your professional dealings. Uh, if let's say you have actually, because of that, uh, causes some loss to others or even yourself, uh, we can mm. actually see how we can protect that uh, for that matter. That, is that, in is that professional indemnity you're talking about? Yes, in a way. Uh, yeah, you are right. Yeah, that's professional indemnity that you're talking about. Okay. Yep. Uh, what about for the non-services? Uh, would that be possible to re- to ensure your your goodwill or your, or, your, or your trademark or logo? Or is that worth doing or not? Uh, this is a yes and no answer. Probably, Joe, you want to elaborate further? Yeah, I mean, underwriter. usually, yeah, usually it's, it's not it's not very common, I would say. Um, and I'm not aware of, of any uh, cover like that, which which exactly would, would cover that. But it's also, um, when you mentioned earlier, that the reputation can also be, for example, somebody um, is hacking your computer or whatever, or putting, mm. putting bad statements on your, on your company uh, or on, on whatever, your people or something like that. So, and your reputation is at stake or at risk. So, and then sometimes there are also legal costs involved or whatever to, to really make sure that you, uh, that you provide cover uh, against this uh, reputational risk. That means um, you really can uh, ask lawyers to, to help you to, to rebuild your reputation because this is usually uh, always uh, related to costs. So you have to invest uh, your own money if you if you don't have insurance for that to, to build back your reputation and that's the the beauty and the beast of digitalization. Um, you have the social media which can be good on one hand when you have uh, always positive comments, but on the other hand, maybe if somebody wants to attack you, um, it always can be uh, a bit critical as well. So and that can also be a reputational risk at the end. Ah, okay. So I guess there will be something more customized rather than a standard package, right? Okay. Yeah, so talking about social media, two things come to mind. One is things like uh, your digital assets, no? By digital assets, I mean things like uh, your website or whatever, we get attacked and all that, or people, like you say, post negative comments, that's one. And the other thing about digital assets I'm thinking about is things like, if you have if you have a crypto uh, currency or something like that, can that be insured? Or is that like, uh, no, that's too, too, uh, too advanced or... Out of out of reality or virtual or I would say nothing is out of reality, but crypto is uh, for the time being is, is not very common. 
But I think uh, it's something which is coming up, which we see more and more. Uh, you know that you can pay with your points and all these things. There are there are a lot of these uh, payment, uh, uh, how to say, gateways. So, but but on the other side, you really have to see where where the risk comes from and mm. how you you tackle this first. Because um, of course, this is a kind of sometimes also digital crime when they when they hack uh, yeah. something, and it can be individual. It can be your own account, your your. Mm. A Facebook account, whatever, or it can be your account in your company. So that's that's where the the, the digital, how to say, cover can come in. So and uh, there are some companies specialized on that, but we are also working on some products in for individuals, but also for SMEs. Um, but I would say is is um, the awareness is increasing. Um, not so much the demand in Malaysia so far, what we see, um, but the awareness is increasing because. I mean, more or less every day you see there is a hacker attack or all these things. Mm. But I think it comes with the demand. So we will see more of that. And we will also see, I think, more cyber covers coming up from the insurance okay. industry. Okay, great. I think, uh, Peter, can I just chime in on that one? If it's sure, okay. sure, sure. I think we need to step back also to understand that risk management is also changing. There was a time when SMEs didn't bother about risk management. Mm. It didn't matter to them. They just ran their small business, um, you know, like it didn't matter how they kept their employees, um, you know, foreign workers, for example, by many factories were kept however they want. But growingly regulations, governance is changing a lot. You know, now the new rules around foreign workers, um, you know, you have to give a lot more um, uh, specific services to them. Uh, and it's very difficult to attract good staff because they have opportunities as well. Um, so even their protection is something that's very important. And many a times we notice that SMEs always look for the, for the solution that's most convenient to them than the solution that is necessarily the best solution around. Mm. Um, what does convenience mean? Some agent knocked on their door okay, that solution is the most convenient, cheapest, let's buy it. Without looking into, is that the most, uh, is that the best solution around? Best solution need not be the costliest for the record. The other element is, I think um, many a times uh, SMEs come to us saying they want cyber insurance, mm. but they don't even have a proper antivirus package in their office. <laughs> So, you know, that's where, um, again, I'm not generalizing, right? I'm just giving mm. some examples of how there's different maturity levels within their mm. base. And, and that's where we kind of have this conversation to say, I think the first step is to, you know, have a virus, antivirus and cyber protection before you have a cyber cover. Um, because if data is lost, the liabilities can be quite significant. Uh, we know SMEs or even corporates who've gone belly up. Uh, because of legal cases. So I think uh, you got to go back to fundamentally, I think two things. One is what protection do you need as an organization so that some event does not take you down? Second is what protection do you need to give to your employees and your key people so that you can continue to remain a going concern, at least financially? Mm. Um, so things like key man insurance, I think is a very important policy in, a, in fact, in this space, because more often than not, when you're a larger company, you have many key people. 
when you are smaller, you have only one or two key people because you can't afford to have many key people. Yeah. Even in our case, right, there are insurers much bigger than us. So if you look at them, and I worked in my past company, my talent pool was 50 people. In tune, my talent pool is probably 20 people. So, and in an SME, it'll be even lower. So I think um, fundamentally it goes back to um, looking, looking at elements which can keep our business going, which is very important. Okay, great. So you, you covered a question I was going to ask about team and insurance. That puts it in perspective. Very good. Um, I just want to find out from you guys, because, you know, sometimes you have general, I mean, general insurance is general, general for everyone, right? But there could be certain specific need, needs for different industry sectors. So, for example, in our community, we got a couple of guys who are in manufacturing. We got a couple of people who are in professional services. And we got some people who are doing retail and all that. And we got a couple of guys who are actually in the building, construction, property development side of things. So my question is, would there be specific products for each of these sectors? Or, or is it like, you know, everybody should think about fire insurance and yeah. So maybe, maybe you can give me a bit of education on that and you can share some thoughts on that. Well, I think of course, uh, let me just start this. And I think uh, Joe, Joe is in a better position to explain in more details. Um, of course, when it comes to insurance product, you always have something which is actually off the shelf, you know, which actually, you know, it's, it's like, uh, I always say, it's just like a t-shirt, you know, so it's one size fit all. Mm. So if you fall into uh, all the general categories and you are, you are actually uh, running on a budget, you just want to have some basic protection, yes, you can actually have that and that those are off the shelf uh, product. And over time, uh, the off the shelf product can also have certain level of customization where normally, you know, this type of products lets you, lets you pick like, you know, you can have package A plus package B and plus package C or you can exclude yourself on certain areas and so on and so forth. But in general, I think uh, as we mentioned earlier on, it's all about risk management. So what's important to you? If you are actually having your asset sector factory that you actually wanted to insure, yes, fire would be a very important part. You have your machineries that you need to take care as well. If you are in agriculture, you know, you actually wanted to look at uh, your, your workers in particular, okay? And, uh, and, and also, of course, uh, uh, in transportation yeah, of your agricultural goods. And if you are actually talking about professional, we have covered that. You have your professional indemnity as well. But in all these things, it can then be customized further, yeah, to actually be very specific on the things that you actually wanted to cover. Uh, and for that, I think, you know, uh, probably, Joe, you want to add on a little bit? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it's exactly what they say. It's, it's about the, the, your own assessment first. So, and how you are guided. So, because uh, as Vincent said, it depends on where, in which segment you are. It can be a different uh, cover you need, and then it should be a, a, at least a bit tailor-made. So, and um, it can be, even if you have a small company, it doesn't mean that you only need a small cover. So, it really depends on what kind of segment you are in and uh, what kind of advice you can get. So and that's why it's also very important to do your own assessment to say, okay, uh, what is my worst case scenario for my business? What, what can lead to a business interruption, which could be severe for my own business? And that can be different again from segment to segment. So, but this is the, the basic assessment you have to do. And then based on that, you, you will decide what, uh, what kind of cover you need. So, and, and, and so I mentioned earlier, 
it's not always about um, it, it's getting very expensive because you add on covers. It's really the, the question what cover it is and, mm. um, and, and what, what worst case scenario you have. I mean, I, I can take the, the easiest example is, okay, you, you own your, uh, the building your, your manufacturing is in. So, and then you have assets, let's say 5 million, 10 million overall, when you have your machinery, plants, building, all this together, it's like 10 million. So, and then sometimes in the first place, an insurance might look uh, expensive um, when you have to say, when you have to pay three, four, 5,000 ringgit, but keep in mind, uh, once the worst case happens, which nobody wants, uh, of course, your, your, your whole um, area burns down because of a huge fire claim explosion or whatever, which happens what we saw and we, we paid these claims. Mm. So the, the difference between 5,000, uh, which you invest, uh, and the 10 million, which are gone, um, with usually all the, the bank loans you have running and all these things. So imagine you don't have this insurance for the worst case. Um, you, you have to come up with this money on your own. Uh, if you have this insurance, we, we pay, I mean, the insurance industry will pay for you. Um, but again, it goes back to what do you really need? I would always uh, recommend the worst case, cover the worst case first, and then see along the way what in addition you need. But of course, it also goes along with the uh, advice you get and with the assessment you have to do. So that's mm. why it also goes, we, I think we talk about maybe later that as well, who is advising you and who is really uh, giving you the, the best recommendation for your individual best cover. Yep, yep. Yeah, I like that very much. You know, so from a standpoint of business disruption or not being able to continue your business, right? So if your factory is burned down or damaged or whatever or flooded or whatever, yeah. and you, you can't be in business for six weeks or six months or one year until you get reconstructed or whatever, exactly. what's the cause of that damage, right? Exactly. So yeah. that, is, that is maybe also one of the most, I would say, recommended, I personally would always recommend, uh, especially when the, the bigger your business is, don't do a pure fire insurance without a business interruption insurance. Because mm. you see, unfortunately, in Malaysia, mm -hmm. uh, compared to other countries, the, the cross-selling rate for business interruption insurance is extremely low. It's far below 10%. So that means 10% of the, uh, less than 10% uh, of the business owners who have a fire insurance, they don't have a business interruption insurance. That means mm. anything happen can be a small fire only, but it has a big impact maybe on your production. Yes. So your production line, you cannot, you cannot produce. And yes. then as you said, six weeks is maybe uh, okay, but if it comes to six months or 12 months out of business, mm. we all know what that means. Yes. So, and uh, we saw that uh, happen. So in the past and when, it's really very painful mm -hmm. for, for, for SMEs and for customers to see, oh, when it happens, of course, you don't have to cover. It's very painful. You have to cover, the insurance steps in and pays all the, the fixed costs and all the running uh, costs you have. So to make sure that there, there's no financial loss and you can produce much faster and go back to normal. So that okay. is the important thing. Okay, if great. I, if I can just add on a little bit sure, of what sure. uh, Joe has mentioned, I think lately, right, uh, in, in the world and in Malaysia as well, we, we, we are always very concerned about COVID-19 and how it impacts the business. And because of this, also, there are also uh, some products in the market which covers your, um, you know, uh, which covers those uh, scenarios where the, because due to COVID, uh, then, you know, you cannot operate your business and you have to sanitize your premises per se. So these are actually uh, generally uh, categorized under inconvenience-related benefits. 
So it may not be something like uh, six weeks or six months. It could be something like, you know, more than 72 hours mm. because of the SOP, you cannot actually operate your business. So how yeah. about those losses during that period yes. of time? Yeah. Well, all this can actually be tailor-made and, uh, you know, and actually be put in as part of the protection as well. Sure. Yeah. For example, I used to run the, the ice cream business for FNN. You know, can you imagine if you have a power failure for 72 hours, all your ice cream melted, then you're stuck. Yeah. Okay, good. Now, I'm just related to this. I'm just wondering, do you guys have like a, a cheat sheet or a, or a checklist of what are things to to kind of check up or, or look at or the, the danger signals and things like that? Do you have something like that? Like a checklist for for what you call business disruption or business discontinuity or something like that? Okay, if not, maybe, maybe that's yeah. an idea I can give to you. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, so we prepare really, something really. like that as a free offer, right? No problem. We can check it can, on your website or whatever. Then people no can use that and download it and leave you yeah, their yeah. contact we, and all that. We can, we can uh, drop something later. We can send you something later also as a kind Excellent. of because because usually that is that is where um, there is a basic checklist as you said. But usually um, the people who really give the advice to to the customer, um, they also should uh, ask a lot of questions in order to mm. make sure not only that the checklist boxes are ticked but also to understand each and every SME customer, the individual situation. Okay. So, and, and we are, because uh, we always say the best salesperson, um, we have the 80-20 rule, is not the one who talks 80%, but the one who listens 80%. So mm. that means uh, when, when the salesperson uh, asks a lot of questions, um, they get the right answer and they can then provide the best solution. It's not, okay. it's not uh, the other way around. Yep. Okay, very good, excellent. Um, I just want to shift the gears a bit. So, you know, there in the market, there's people who buy insurance from insurance agents and there are people who, buy, who, who consult with insurance brokers. Can you tell us what are some of the advantages of both or, or how does it work different, differently? Okay, so the, uh, the advantages, I, if any, and yeah. the role of insurance brokers, I guess that's what I'm asking here. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, I, I think uh, there are a few ways of purchasing insurance for that matter. You can either, actually today it's actually very convenient, you can actually go online and ah. you can do your own self-purchase also. You know? okay. So from the, from the buying process, uh, the payment, the issuance of the policy, you can actually do it online. Wow. And previously people are actually thinking that, oh, this must be very complicated. No, uh, I think with the advancement of technology, it has been, uh, it, it has actually, uh, made it much simpler to actually purchase even comprehensive insurance needs. So some people, especially I think the younger generation has been accustomed to this and they are now actually looking for uh, insurance coverage. Uh, earlier on, you were talking about simple insurance coverage like moto, uh, moto policies. Now you can also buy health insurance online as well. Mm -hmm. So as we move on, there will be more and more mm -hmm. uh, simple insurance coverage for SMEs, uh, which you can also purchase online. So that's okay. one way of purchasing it. And the other traditional way of doing it is, of course, to get some advice from agents. So agents, uh, because of their experience and because of their training, they are able to actually assess the risk better and give advice on you know, what type of risk uh, should be covered and uh, what is the sum of should, uh, should be considered you know, for any specific risk. Now, as, as people move on, I think they were, they, there is also another group uh, of advisors that came on board, uh, which is actually the financial advisors. Uh, so you have what we call an independent financial advisor and also just a general financial advisor. In the real term, uh, independent financial advisor should only charge fees 
for their services. This is like a, you know, it's just like a, a specialist, yeah, a doctor who is actually a specialist. Uh, the doctor will prescribe, but uh, the doctor will not sell you the medication. You know, you will have to go to the pharmacy and get the medication. So they will just charge you on the consultation fee. So a pure IFA or independent financial advisor should actually do that. But in a Malaysian context, many of the advisors are actually just financial advisors. They are not independent. They are actually linked to a certain uh, insurance company. And that's where they also get fee out of their, out their, out their services. And in most terms and uh, circumstances, th those are commissions. Yeah. So uh, again, then you have the brokers. Okay. So brokers basically are actually helping you to get the best rate in the interest of the customers. And normally, you know, when you have bigger risks, more complicated risks, uh, then you will need the services of a broker because broker will be able uh, to, uh, to represent the customers and uh, become the negotiator with the, uh, with the insurers you know, to find the best package to even sometimes design the package together with the insurers ah. and to provide to the needs of the customers. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's the differentiation if I can you know, just give you on a general term. Yeah. Okay, okay, great, excellent. Thanks for that, uh, Vincent. Anything to add, uh, Joe? No, I think it's perfectly uh, described because these are the, the key, uh, how to say, advisors for, for uh, SME insurance. Um, that, and I think the, there might be more in future, but these are the key key roles uh, we have in the market. So and, uh, I agree with Vincent. The more complex and the more maybe also international your business is, especially when you export outside Malaysia or you have... Uh, another manufacturing plant somewhere in Thailand or in Vietnam or wherever, and your, your headquarters here, then uh, let's say sometimes the, the international brokers with the international network, they might be the better partner for these huge corporate risks where you have international exposure. But for the, I would say for the, for the local uh, Malaysian risk or for the smaller SME, there are a lot of uh, agents uh, well, well uh, experienced in, in this segment so that uh, they can easily also cover that part. It really depends on your on your individual situation. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm I'm okay. So the last one or two questions. I'm sort of putting myself into the the into the the the, the feet of people who are maybe looking for insurance. No. So if I'm looking for insurance and I'm I'm kind of like scouting around, right? Not sure. What would be some questions I should ask to the insurance providers? No. Um, you know, is it is it years of experience? Is it reputation? Is it innovation? Innovative products? Is it premium price and cost and all that? So what 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 should I be looking for as a as a potential buyer of insurance? I think it goes both way, yeah, Peter. You know, hmm. uh, I I think okay. Let's put it this way. Uh, from the from the insurer's perspective, yeah, uh, we should always do a customer fact find. So when we say customer fact find, that means you know you may think you need certain uh, protection, uh, but let's determine that you know the things that in your mind uh, probably is your priority number one. But once we actually do the assessment on what is actually more important to you and what is the major risk that you should be looking at, your priority number one could, could change actually. Okay, so you know let's determine that to first thing first. Let's understand what risk. Uh, that you are actually exposed to and your, your most uh, immediate that you need to actually have coverage on. And of course, the second thing uh, in everyone's mind would be, you know, uh, what is the sum assured am I, am I supposed to get? And mm. what is the price I'm supposed to pay for it? 
Now, that's where I think uh, sometimes, you know, uh, we, we may go in very logically, but we came out very emotionally. Uh, <laughs> because if you really want to protect or, you know, to determine the actual sum assured that you are supposed to get uh, in order to, uh, to protect you uh, adequately, sometimes the cost could be much higher than you expected. So we then, you know, as a consumer, most of the time we'll then compromise and say, can you give me the cheapest product? So, so when, when you are talking about that, uh, you have to sacrifice certain, you know, certain uh, uh, risks you know, to actually uh, cover it under yourself. So I think it's a balancing act of you know, what is your need, what is the actual coverage that you can afford, and how can we actually go about it. So it's just like this three triangle. So we, we need to actually find a balance uh, 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 of these three areas. And I think, you know, uh, no worries. Probably we then establish that this is what I can afford for now. It's okay. So let's start with something first, you know. And as we move along, let's work for other solutions or let's work on, you know, how can we increase it over time. Mm. I think that's the best way to approach things. Yeah. Okay. That, that sounds like a very sensible and practical approach. Yeah. And that, you know, what's always to keep in mind, usually you deal with, uh, with an advisor. So seldom that you call, let's say, uh, Vincent or myself directly uh, in tune or other insurance companies. That means you, you need, you need an advisor and make sure uh, you also can test a bit uh, that the advisor asks enough and listen enough, as I said earlier. Um, if, if the advisor, and I don't want to be too general here, but um, there are always different advisors. If the advisor starts to talk without asking you what you might really need, be skeptical and challenge. Challenge mm -hmm. the advisor and say, um, how do you know what I need? You haven't asked me any question. Um, maybe I explain my business first. So make sure that this is a, uh, at the same eye level, uh, how to say, uh, communication, and not only that the subject, so-called subject matter expert um, overrules your, your thoughts, um, because this is the most important thing to understand you as a customer. So that, that means you really have to make sure that your advisor advise you properly and listen properly. So mm -hmm. that is uh, a general advice I would give on, on that okay. one. Okay. Yeah. So I guess in summary, that would be like looking for someone who's professional, who knows their stuff, and it's not just a pure sales-oriented person, right? Okay, very good. Excellent. Right. Okay, so we have a bunch of questions, and I guess we can open up for questions. But So if you guys have any questions you want to ask, you can unmute yourself or put your hand up. But let me address those questions that are already typed into the chat box first. Okay. Um, so related to what we just discussed, there's a question here asking about what is the unique uh, unique uh, proposition or what's the difference between Tune Protect and the other insurance players when it comes to general insurance? Roy, do you want to take this question first? Or? <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe we go to the easier ones first, eh? No, no, we can, we can. No, we, no, can, we, can, uh, we, can we can, we can probably just answer yeah. this. Yeah, sure. from our perspective and uh, when Rohit is, uh, is back, then he can actually add on to it. Sure. I, I think uh, somehow when you talk about tune and from the logo itself and uh, from the color of the shirt I'm wearing, I think you, know, <laughs> you can actually relate to our, our big sister company, which is actually AHR. And okay. I think that is something that uh, it's unique to us in terms of a unique selling proposition. Mm. Uh, let me, if I can, let me elaborate a little bit. I'm not, I'm not selling, but I'm just saying, you know, what, what is uh, the unique selling proposition? Sure, sure. Here? Uh, Many many people uh, would then address that you know Asia is actually a you know a, a, a aircraft carrier you know, so so they are actually in aviation only uh, uh, that is not true yeah 
Uh, in fact, you know, Asia actually, I think with the uh, involvement in these two years due to COVID-19, you have actually seen Asia transform itself and has actually went from just, you know, a purely uh, uh, airline yeah, into something else. And today you actually see Asia also offer Asia rights, uh, Asia food. They are, you know, they have also, uh, they are actually going into uh, e-licensing to actually get an e-banking license. And uh, a lot of people also don't know that actually they run an academy. Yeah, mm. and they run an e-academy. Uh, it, it was actually known as RateBeat, but recently we have actually changed that. So what we have been offering yeah, to our SME customers, uh, because we see there is this, this opportunity to help our customer to grow together with us. Mm. So what happened is that we have been actually collaborating with uh, RateBeat Academy to actually offer online courses free for our SME customers. Because we, we, we acknowledge that, you know, um, due to COVID-19, due to all this lockdown, SMEs are having challenges. They cannot have their, uh, I mean, uh, their, their premises open. They are trying to go online, but they have challenges. How, how to set up an online business? How should they do marketing? What should they actually be, be worried about, you know, and be careful about when they want to do this? And we do offer this to our SME customers. So we offer a two days program for our SME customers who are actually interested to learn on how they can actually uh, benefit from all this uh, online positioning of themselves. So this is one thing mm. that we are offering. Okay. Second to that is that we so are I, I better collaborate with you guys before you become my biggest competitor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think the room is still very, very big for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. The other thing is that uh, we have also been helping our, our customers, especially SMEs, uh, when they actually wanted to sell their product, they need an online platform. Yeah. So if today they, they go to some other online platforms uh, which can actually help them uh, in, in promoting their products, uh, the commission that they need to pay could be much higher. Uh, mm. But because of the collaboration that we have with AAsia, then you know, we have you know, AAsia uh, platform that actually helps to promote uh, your, your businesses. We can help them to set up this collaboration with a much lower commission uh, involved. So I think that's one of the very big uh, unique selling proposition that we have for our SME customers. Okay, great, excellent. Okay, there's another question here from uh, Angela. She's asking what are the determinants of a business disruption insurance on the premium? I tell you, of course, this is a very <laughs> individual question. As I said, it, it, it really depends on the, on the risk itself, but again, it's, Compared to the fire premium, it's it's uh, really a small add-on amount only when it comes to premium. But it also depends on in which area uh, you are in. So it's different from a restaurant uh, to a manufacturer. It's different from a uh, general service provider uh, to a very uh, complex uh, manufacturing or, or agriculture plant or whatever. So that means it really depends on your on your individual risk. Here comes the four-letter word again, uh, Vincent mentioned at the beginning. So, but it's really compared to the to the financial loss you can have due to a claim and it, it's not only the fire claim which can lead to a financial loss so always keep in mind this financial loss can really um, be very very painful and can even i saw that unfortunately also back in, in germany um, can even lead to bankruptcy because mm -hmm. they haven't they didn't have a business interruption insurance um, some bigger corporates they went bankrupt so, and, and usually when it comes to smaller SMEs, maybe the, the financial background is different and all these things. And 
keep in mind, business interruption is beside the fire, uh, the, the two things you should have as a worst case insurance. So that's why um, I cannot emphasize enough on this point. And trust me, related to the sum insured, you will see because your sum insured will also then be assessed and you will see it's about your revenue and your fixed costs. And then you come up with a sum insured and this sum insured can be in the millions and the premium is in, in a few thousands only. So, and, and keep this relation in mind uh, and keep always in mind, it, it can lead to bankruptcies. And this is the easiest way to make sure that this bankruptcy will not happen, at least not to, due to business interruption. Okay, great, thanks. So I guess the, no, we should all individually consult the, the relative professional because every case is different, right? Okay, thanks. Okay, there's a question here from Evelyn. Uh, she's asking, there's been an article recently claiming that insurance companies take too long to pay their claims. So she's asking, what's the acceptable period of time for claimant to get their claims? <laughs> Rohit, you want to start? Or... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure whether the article was referring to general insurance or life insurance or both. But anyway, that's a general question anyway. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, we are all customers. We mm. are all customers. So I'm also a customer somewhere. Um, so, and of course, not with a different insurance company, but I'm also a customer somewhere. So, and I'm also very impatient when, when things take too long. <laughs> so, and this is not only valid for the insurance industry, but especially for the insurance industry, because claim, as you know, we always say is the moment of truth. So that means the moment you really want to get your claim done and you it takes too long, which is always a very individual perspective for this too long, but um, I would say if it's a, a very, very simple claim, huh? so uh, it can be a motor insurance claim or it can be even a small small fire claim, and talk about a few thousand ringgit only or whatever. So these claims, if the, the situation is clear and there's no big ding dong in respect of uh, administration, documents, whatever, these claims can be done very fast within one week, two weeks. So, But we know that these this pain points um, are addressed so that's why we are also working on a lot of process improvement. So to make sure that these, these processes are either fully automated or fast enough to really have a, have a good customer experience when it comes to claims. Because um, that is again where the, the moment of truth is coming in. So, and that is something which is really our first priority to make sure that this customer experience is the best you can have. So that's why uh, I agree. Okay. It's a big point. And it's addressed. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, is it, is it yeah, go ahead, Yeah. I think behind claims, there's a whole story. Um, uh, you know, insurance was started as a mutual, a bit of a history, right? Insurance was started on a mutual concept basis 200 plus years back. Uh, and then over time, it evolved to be not, not a risk uh, management, but a risk avoiding uh industry and that's why it got its bad name uh and and i think you know uh between the three of us between joe vincent and me we probably spent about 60 years 65 years in insurance so um obviously it, it's a bit unfair for us but i think we can tell about ourselves that yes there is a trust issue there trust deficit has started at few levels one um insurers had legacy systems uh so too much of paperwork insurers were more concerned about claims going out uh, than about, um, you know, more about profitability in a way. Um, 
So what happened over a period of time is we thought complexity, adding more processes is the better way of managing, uh, you know, claims and underwriting. But what's happening now is technology, artificial intelligence, you know, uh, is actually helping us. I'll tell you very simple. Underwriting for simpler products is very rule-based. It is basically converting what's in Joe's head into a system and automating it, right? But certain complex risks, it still has a subject subjectivity aspect. You can never replace a human being. So that's where when technology is used, the process gets more efficient. I don't need to talk about my company and I won't, but that's not the objective here. But like us, there are other companies where you can go on a mobile app and submit your claim. So if you download our app, you can submit your claim. Now there is a second aspect of, so I, I talked about the company issue. The second is a consumer financial literacy issue. Many a times people assume that if I buy insurance, my claim will be paid. Uh, it is not as straightforward as that because that's where your policy documents, you understanding conditions are very important. I am personally someone who promotes all channels. But when I say all channels, I think previously, I think Vincent summarized it very well. If you are a financially literate person, by all means, go and buy your own product. If you're not, it's always better to get advice. Because you don't know. I can tell you many times I play this game in every company I join. I take some random contract and I ask the underwriter and the product guy to, and actually to explain this. I can tell you within 15 minutes, there's a fight breaking out between the three of them disagreeing on a clause. That's how complex insurance is. So I think that's why um, sometimes when you buy complex insurance products, you need a certain level of financial literacy to be aware of what's claimed, what's covered, what's not covered. Mm -hmm. um, so companies have certain rules, for example, these are not rules that you would tell the, the market, right? For example, if it's a customer who's been with us for two years, Generally, for health claims, we wouldn't do too much of investigation. If it is below two years, when there's a claim, there's a few checks we will do. Is this customer someone who had a pre-existing condition and came in quietly saying nothing and now claiming? So we have to run our investigations. Now, you might say, hey, I, sometimes, you know, Agents will also fight for their customer and say, I know my customer, very good one, you know, very good one. And we have to, as underwriters, tell them that we actually know certain things that you may not be aware of your own customer, right? Because, for example, am I going to reveal what's inside my body to an agent? Not necessary. Although we ask you to, not necessary. So that's where we have ways and means in which knowing things which the consumer may not know, the agent may not know. So I think it's very important in this conversation, financial literacy and also consumer disclosing as much as you can. As a doctor and a lawyer says, you know, don't tell us what we should know. The same way as an insurer also, we tell, we tell the most fundamental concept of insurance is something called utmost good faith. We are insuring you on a belief that you revealed everything to us. So if there is something else, it gets complex. So I think there's two sides to this story. Um, but I, I do believe that with new technologies, uh, the claims cycle times are getting better and better. Okay. Thanks for that. Um, since you mentioned hospitalization and all that, there's a couple of questions related to COVID 
I was thinking whether to ask them because I wasn't sure whether that falls into general insurance or whether it falls no into life. I can answer it. Um, I think very simple. As an industry, you must have seen that uh, the industry came out and said they do not cover COVID because it's considered a, uh, um, a epidemic or a pandemic, which is a communicable disease pandemic, which is not covered in our contracts. Mm-hmm. However, some companies of late have slowly started covering COVID as yep. things have started settling down. So I know there are three life insurance companies who specifically cover it. Mm-hmm. There are others who cover around it. Okay. They will give you a fund. They will cover you only if it is stage three, stage four, stage five. So there's a few variations that have come. Um, my own view is in the next one to two years, everybody will cover it because it's going to become an epidemic and not a pandemic. When it's a pandemic, insurers do not plan for it. Because I'll tell you very simple. That's why we have an ex- exclusion. If I start now, I know for consumers, it's frustrating, right? I've had these arguments with many people. But when we price a product, we don't price it for a pandemic to happen. If we start pricing it for the next 80 years, you will be paying much more than you should be paying for that one event that will happen 80 years from now. And if I'm the only one to price it in, there are 17 other insurers who are not pricing it in. I'm going to become uncompetitive. It's just like there are some exclusions in your contracts, like riots. You would have noticed riots is a normal exclusion. Why can't I cover a riot? Probably in Malaysia, there's a riot maybe once in 40 years, I'm assuming, right? But I'm just saying, I can't cover for a riot thinking today I price in for the next 40 years when others don't, then your product for me is going to become very costly. And if in the industry we decide to price also, insurance will become less affordable for everyone. So that's why we don't cover pandemic. But having said that, debt is definitely covered. Okay. You, you know, life insurance debt is of course covered. Okay. Hospitalization, uh, they did not cover it. But off late, I think three insurers have started covering it. One or two insurers have put some conditions saying if it is three, four, and five category, we will cover it. My own sense, I'm not speaking for the industry. I don't belong to any association, but my own sense sitting here is one to two years or maybe even earlier. I think it'll get covered. It'll just become an endemic. Mm. Okay. Thanks, Roy. Okay. There's another very interesting question on key man insurance. So Minghan is asking, what alternatives for SMEs who can't afford a key man insurance premium? And also, what happens if there's more than one person to cover and insure? Okay, if I, if I can take this question, I think um, that, okay, in the first place, there is no such a policy that is called key man insurance policy. That there's no such policy, okay? It's a concept. It's just a concept and you're using uh, insurance to actually help uh, materialize that concept. So what, what we are talking about key man insurance basically is just a very simple protection plan. And in, uh, in, in the pure term is actually you know, a, a whole life protection plan. So if you are really looking at a whole life protection plan, uh, it should not be expensive. If it is really expensive, then I think you know that there are too many factors being built into that key man policies. Because sometimes we think that because a person is a key man, I want to cover him every team or her, you know, in every every walks uh, of possibility uh, of exposing to risk. 
Uh, now the challenge most of the time is not so much on the premium to 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 be to be uh, you know honest. Uh, the challenge is that whether the key man can be insured or not. <laughs> uh, so in many cases, key men, you know, basically probably are actually of a of a higher age range, you know, a, a, a very important person in the company, and most of the time it, it comes with uh, some some uh, health conditions, yeah. And mm. that makes it very difficult to actually uh, cover for the key man. Now, uh, if that that is difficult, so one of the other way of looking at it is to get a simple PA coverage. It may not work as a full key man insurance, <laughs> but at least there is some form of protection. And yes, there are situations where there are more than one key man. And when there are actually more than one key man, uh, it can still be arranged. Uh, but it, it will be a little bit more complicated. You probably have to work with a lawyer or a law firm to, uh, to work out a buy-sell agreement. Yeah, so that, that will be a little bit more complicated for today's topic. So mm. what happened is that if let's say that, I mean, why, why do we need a key man insurance in the first place? Okay, so if something happens to the key man, you would actually have a business loss, right? So the proceed from the insurance would actually help you to sail through those difficult times. That's the first thing. Second thing, uh, in, in order to replace a key man, it will also take time. So because of that also, you know, the proceeds from the insurance will help you to sustain, you know, while you are actually looking for a key man to replace. And it can also be, uh, a, the proceed can also be paid to the key man's family members. So, you know, it's like, it's like a full coverage in, in various uh, 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 segments of the business. So that's the, that's the pure uh, uh, basis of why we actually wanted to have a key man insurance. It's, it's a very interesting topic. Eh? This can actually go on and on and on uh, because it will involve, it in, in a true term, it will not just involve the insurance company, it may also involve lawyers, law firms to actually set up an agreement. And you can actually also involve a tax agent you know, to ensure that you can also get some tax relief uh, from this whole arrangement. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I hope I give a general uh, answer on, on, on the questions. Yeah. yeah, very good. Very good insight there, uh, Vincent. Yeah. And especially the part about you know, having, involving lawyers, especially we are a couple of partners, right? Yes, We've got yes, two or three right. partners, right? Yeah, very important. Okay. Uh, the next question is from Evelyn again. She's asking, how frequent should we advise, how frequently should business owners review their business risk premium? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, not only the premium, you should review everything. <laughs> <laughs> but the premium, of course. I mean, uh, since I'm in Malaysia, I always learn um, good and cheap is the best combination. <laughs> You're uh, right. So, yeah. <laughs> So and and uh, and it's it's normal. So we are we all we are all price driven. We are all customers somewhere. So but again, it's it's about uh, your own. I mean, keep in mind it's about your own business. So and and it's really about okay. You have changes, um, significant changes in your business. You change the production, or you 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 widen your your portfolio, whatever it is, or you you build something uh, a new a new uh, mm. to say a manufacturing plant, or even a smaller warehouse or whatever. Keep in mind to really make sure that your um, insurance covers up to date, especially when it comes to some insurance. So because I say that because from our experience, we see, unfortunately, very often a lot of under insurance in the market. Why is that so? This is not the fault of the, the, the customer, because um, usually you, the first thought you have in the morning is not about insurance. So we are all humans and it's not the first thought. So to be fair, but keep in mind, whenever something 
at your risk, here comes the word again, or in, in your company changes, think about, hey, is that insured or not? Or should I talk to my, my agent broker uh, or other partner who is giving me some advice? Could be that you have to insure it or not, but ask for advice uh, and make sure it's covered. Because as I said, it's, it's very painful if you find out later when the claim happened and it's not insured. So I would say at least, uh, at least once a year, I would suggest minimum twice a year, you should talk to your advisor. Um, if they not, don't talk to you uh, twice a year is already something you should challenge. Uh, mm. because, uh, that's the minimum they should talk to you, um, minimum, even more. But again, I would say um, at least once a year when it comes to your renewal, then of course, you should also check your price. You should also check your cover. But as I said, the moment you have any significant changes in your work environment or being it, you, you hire more mm -hmm. because or whatever, make sure always you keep in mind, is my insurance cover okay? And if you have any doubt, immediately call your advisor. So that, that is, would be my, my recommendation. Okay. Can I just add one point? I think, Joe, you made a very important point. It's not just professionally. Please do it personally as well. I can tell you so many stories where, you know, especially, you know, Vincent and I used to deal with this a lot when you're focusing on health insurance, where, you know, people buy policies uh, for their kids, um, you know, saying this will cover their kids. And then they realize that, you know, that old policy they were paying for the last 10 years, you know, uh, does not even cover half of a surgery anymore. Because medical inflation in Malaysia before COVID, none of you should fall off your chair, but I will tell you, it's between 14 to 15 and a half percent. It's one of the highest in Asia, medical inflation in Malaysia. So your premiums do not go up 14, 15%. Your premium pricing in by most insurers, again, I'm speaking on an average rule. Don't tomorrow say hey, that company didn't. On an average, companies assume 3% increase in inflation. So they plan from today saying every year price will increase by 3%. But reality is the price is increasing by 14 to 15%. So what happens by year three, year four, most of you get notices saying your premium has changed and it's radically changed, right? Why? Because this inflation is not covered for. The other issue is when that happens, your coverage also may not be enough because of inflation. We all heard about, you know, 100,000. I'll give you an example. Uh, yesterday, um, Vincent and I was at a dinner and we were talking about an example Three years back in Tune Protect, we had five claims for car accident, for major car accident of 1 million. Okay, those were the major claims. Last year, we had five claims of 5 million. Wow. Okay, these are obviously third party, you know, very serious. But I'm just saying that's the inflation that happened. I'm not saying go and buy 5 million policy. No, I'm just saying. But even before that is don't get bogged down by which is the most comprehensive policy. Buy that first policy. At least get some affordability in. 95% of medical claims is below 20,000. So at least cover that 20, 30, 40 before you think of covering that one disease that may happen. But thinking of covering that, you end up covering nothing because it becomes too expensive. So I would always say buy your first policy 
then you can always top up or buy additional policies. Okay. All right. Thanks for that, Rohit. Okay. Um, anyone else has got any open questions you want to ask? You can unmute yourself. I think just to add on a little bit to what Rohit had mentioned, just on the candid side. Sure, Vincent. Uh, many a times in, in the insurance industry, we always get questioned by people, hey, can you actually recommend the best policy? What is the best policy? Okay. So I always joke, you know, I, I can recommend you what is the best policy. And let me tell you now also, the best policy is an enforced policy. <laughs> so if your policy is not enforced, even though you have the best coverage, you know, it's still a lousy policy because you know that policy will not render you to be able to make any claims. So yeah. I, I, it's just to echo what Rohit has actually mentioned. You know, so get your first policy, top it up as you go on. You know, and make it more comprehensive as you go on. And probably you know certain certain uh, policies you should drop over over a period of time uh, over a period of time because you have no need for it anymore at that juncture. Yeah. Okay. Just right. it, yeah. which, which is why what we do, for example, at Tune is you can buy a health insurance policy for as little as 600 ringgit on our website. A normal policy would probably be one and a half thousand. So we give you a cheap product. No, I wouldn't say cheap, sorry, a more affordable product online, easier to buy. But as you need more complexity, more conditions, our agents can talk to you, you know, brokers can talk to you and sell you better. That's the concept. I believe that's where the world will also go. Motor okay. policies, I my own view is more and more consumers will buy it online because they will see prices cheaper and they'll say it's highly commoditized. So why should I buy unless it's from a relationship angle? Mm. Products like SME, <clears throat> complex health, etc. You need advice. And that's where you need someone who knows it. And I only recommend one thing is, I find this very difficult in Asia is, don't choose your advisor because he's related to you or because he's your <laughs> uncle, your friend, your next door person. <laughs> choose your advisor wisely because your advisor should be here with you for the next 20, 30, 40 years. So you need a professional advising me. Why is it that when you choose a lawyer, you don't necessarily choose your uncle, brother, sister. You always look for the best one. When you choose an advisor, invariably it becomes my auntie, my uncle, my brother, my next door guy. But the next door guy may have only sold five policies in his life and has no clue what he's doing. Yes, yes. So that is very important. Being advised by professionals is, is fundamentally important. Yep. Okay. Great advice, Rohit. So with that, I'd like to draw this to a close. And before we go, I hope uh, our search, we, we, we don't, we, we normally, if this was live, we would give you, give, present it to you live. But we have a little token, uh, we call it a certificate of appreciation, just to express our gratitude for you spending this time with us and sharing your, your insights and your knowledge. And in the words of one of our members, in a clear, frank explanation. Yeah, so we appreciate that. So I hope Ken and uh, Susie, Susie, are you here? Susie, I hope the certs are ready. Certificates of appreciation for three gentlemen here. Yeah? The certs are ready, Peter. I, I can't. I can't share the the screen, Peter. Okay, hang on. Uh, let me do that. How do I share screen? Okay, open.
All right, big round of applause. Thanks a lot, Rohit. Hey, thanks. Thank you. And next, Hans, Joe. That's my long German name, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. Thanks, thanks a lot. I, I, I really, it's hard to fit it. <laughs> <laughs> and Vincent, okay. Hey, thanks. So thank, thank you, you guys very much. Really, really appreciate it. No, I think I think we got a lot of valuable insights. Thank you. Thanks, okay. Peter, and thanks everyone. Thank Bye. you very much for having us. Thanks for your time. It was a pleasure. Bye. Cheers. Thanks. Hope hope you guys enjoyed also. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks, Anna. Thanks for your all the good advice, Anna. I appreciate that, Anna. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, you. thank you so much. Very insightful. Yeah. If you need any any advice, you know, feel free to Peter can provide our details. Yes. And you can yeah. reach out to us, and you know, we can uh, always advise you. Yeah. yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Sure. All right. Great. Bye. Thanks.